Вы смотрите слишком много фильмов. Welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary. A podcast about documentaries. Obviously. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Jess McDonald. Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Should Watch This Documentary. Hi. Hi, I'm Adam. I'm Jess. And we're your hosts. <laughs> How's it been, Jess, since we recorded last? Pretty all right. Yeah. Normally when I say that to people, it's been like an hour or <laughs> a matter of minutes, but it's actually been a while. Yeah, it's been like, since... a, like a, a week or a week and a half or something. I don't know, something. Something like it's that. It's been time. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> their days have passed since then. What are we talking about today? Uh, soaked in Bleach. Soaked in Bleach, the Nirvana, the the Courtney Killed Kurt documentary. Yeah. Is what it, that should be the subtitle. <laughs> Because that's the general premise. It's about the death of Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Uh, how much did you know about Kurt Cobain's death before you watched this? I mean, I grew up thinking that he killed himself the whole time. So that, that, well, was, yeah. that was pretty much it. And then uh, I don't think I really delved too deep into it until you started talking about it on the podcast frequently. Right. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe there's some merit to this. How crazy would that have been if you were just born thinking Kurt Cobain was murdered? <laughs> <laughs> you just came out of the womb with that conviction in your heart that Courtney Love murdered Kurt Cobain. I think I was born before he was murdered, so that would be even weirder if I just like came out and was like, "Yeah, that's a good point." Like, yeah, Kurt, Kurt was murdered. <laughs> and then he's like, like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, that'd be weird. Was that a good Kurt Cobain? I think I did fine. Uh, sure. Huh? <laughs> That's what I liked about Kurt Cobain. He always sounded so dumb. Yeah, he sounded really confused all yeah. the time. But he wasn't. No. Trickeration. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. We have a we have a podcast about Nirvana premiering this week uh, for subscribers. I don't know when it's going up to the rest of the world. But I'm a huge Nirvana fan, but I didn't get into them until well after he died. Same. So for the longest time, I just assumed he committed suicide also well it, yeah it wasn't until i i became a fan of the band to the point that i started really looking into their backstory and reading shit on the internet which is the best place to find <laughs> information about anyone especially in the late 90s when it was all there was no quality control whatsoever <laughs> no it was like is this a trusted source no it's on the internet <laughs> you couldn't even trust the fucking new york times back then on the internet They'd be delivering you legit news stories, and there's still like the dancing baby gif <laughs> on the sidebar. Internet was a wild place back then. I wasn't allowed to use it then, so no, no. That's a the me. I didn't start using the internet till the late '90s because I was a poor kid, and that's when I think I started kind of catching on to the Courtney might have murdered Kurt rumors, and I was. All in. I was into that because I was such a big fan of of the band. And it, uh, you know, so it, it just made me want to look into it. And the the one of the main subjects of this documentary, Tom Grant, who is a private investigator who was hired by Courtney Love in the days after, before or after Kurt Cobain died, because who fucking knows exactly what day it was. But you used to be able to go on his website. Maybe you still can. And you could order his case files. 
Wait, really? Yeah. And he would send you like a binder full of all of his notes and information as to why he thought Kurt Cobain was murdered. And he would even autograph it for you. Wait, but I want that. Yeah, I don't know if I should have looked. I wonder if if it's a thing you can still buy. I, it should be because it. How expensive do you think it was? It was only fifteen dollars <gasps> back in the day. Cobainecase dot com. That's his. Uh, oh. Yeah, I bet he's. I bet he's selling it for a little more cash now. Yeah, probably. We need to try and get him on this podcast or a podcast. Yeah, if anybody knows him, call him up, tell him that we would like to speak with him. Uh, well, we can just hit him up on his Yahoo email. Oh, perfect. If he's still checking that, who knows. Yeah, it, it looks like he's got a book now, so I'm assuming he's not selling the uh well, I the also case want the files. Book. I definitely want that book. Yeah, but it, it was it was just so much more charming when he was selling <laughs> it like a fucking stuffed animal he made on Etsy. <laughs> like look at this thing I printed up in my home. That I'll sell to you. That ah, I love the internet back then. I used to sell bootleg Nirvana CDs. Wait, did you really on eBay? Yeah, because Napster was the shit. Like every song ever made was on Napster. So Nirvana had all of these B sides and bootleg songs that had never been released to the public, and I would just compile them all onto one CD and sell them on eBay to motherfuckers who didn't own CD burners, which were also <laughs> a relatively new thing back then. So I was like the the stud with a 3D printer right now, <laughs> except back then, and it was just a CD printer or CD burner. Do you still have any of those CDs? Or uh, I don't sell think. All of them? Yeah, I don't think so because oh. now like they've released all that. But I did it for every band I liked. I had <laughs> like I had a decent business going. I was making a couple hundred dollars a week. But it, I had I did like Oasis, Nirvana, Radiohead. I think just would, those... would any of these people be okay with you doing oh, that? Oh no, I feel like it was this is wrong. highly illegal. Yeah, yeah. And eBay eventually stopped letting people sell CDRs. Oh, okay. So once that happened, they were like, "I was sunk." Basically, well, just that sucks. one day, I went on eBay and saw that twenty-five auctions had been ended simultaneously, and I was like, "Well, that dream has died. <laughs> Guess it's time to find other side employment now." So yeah, soaked in bleach. It 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 covers the Tom Grant's investigation into the death of Kurt Cobain, basically. And this didn't strike me until later when they reenact the scene where his body is found. But they're doing all the interviews for this documentary in the same room where Kurt Cobain dies in this documentary, yeah. which has since been the real room has been torn down since then right but the first thing when you see these the first interviews it's like raining which i'm sure they didn't have to wait long for that <laughs> in seattle but it's just raining and dreary as shit and i'm like why are they filming here and then they get to the part where they find his body and i'm like oh that's morbid yeah you're conducting interviews in the well, we built this room that looks like where he died we might as well chat about it here yeah it's kind of gross I, I feel like they shouldn't have done that yeah, it was Or it adds a nice touch maybe. I'm not I'm actually not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean it was it it, it made it kind of appropriate. Yeah. I suppose. And one thing that's super interesting about this documentary and about Tom Grant in general because this is along with JFK one of my favorite conspiracy theories mm -hmm. because I feel like also along with JFK it's the one with the most 
evidence pointing to what actually happened. Right. Yeah. Like there's so much proof in this documentary. Like there's so right. much proof. Right. And it, it's it's valid proof. It's not like rumors and speculation. Right. But we'll we'll get into into some of it. Uh, so Tom Grant, he's the private investigator. Courtney Love hires him to search for Kurt Cobain after he goes missing, or at least presumably that's that's what she hires him for. Right. But that's not what she said when she called, right? It was something to do with like credit cards or something like that? Yeah. At first, she says she's trying to stop him from using the credit cards to right. force him to come out of hiding. Right. But then she says she's, like, later in the call, also mentions, oh, I'm worried he's going to kill himself, which feels like you lead with that. Yeah, you should definitely start there. If you're really concerned he's going to kill himself, like, that's the opening statement. Yeah. Like, it, it came off, that. that's the fascinating thing. He recorded every conversation he had with everybody. Which I want all of that, too. Yeah, I would love to hear all of these tapes. Yes. Um, but the the Courtney Love tapes are especially damning. But there, th- that's the one of the first ones we hear is her conversation with him about hire why she wants to hire him, and she like contradicts herself right away. Like right. you said, at first it's credit cards, and then it's because he might kill himself. And already Tom Grant's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, like he he was like she was already lying in the beginning, and that wasn't that wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, and and they he said kind of after that call, he was like, "Okay, well now I need to record all of this, <laughs> right?" And just uh, see where this this craziness goes. And that's the thing, this guy they they point this out in the documentary. This guy isn't a conspiracy theorist, right? He worked for the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. He was a detective for the L.A. County Sheriff's for decades. He retired in good standing. Yeah, he's like super credible. The, the yeah. other guy was saying it too. He was like, "Yeah, we checked him out. He he checks out. He's a good yeah. guy." Yeah, he uh, got his investigator's license after he retired. He's run this business for all these years, and this case just kind of fell into his lap because Courtney Love was calling around trying to find a private investigator on Easter Sunday. Yeah, who does that on yeah. Easter Sunday? And Tom Grant was the only guy working, and he just happened to get this case, and it kind of ruined his life. I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't imagine it's made his life better. No, he even said that. he. What, what was it? He was talking about how like Kurt Cobain's name goes through his head like all day, every day, yeah. and he hates it. So Tom Grant and Courtney Love obviously are two of the key figures in this documentary, or subjects, as we've always <laughs> known they're called. I don't know why anyone would doubt that. There's also Dylan Carlson. What'd you think of Dylan Carlson? He was a weasel. Yeah. Like, he was just a weasel. I didn't like him. I didn't like the way he like talked all like nasally and like the back of his Yeah. Throat. I was like, stop doing that. He was a sketchy figure for yeah. sure. Because at first he seems like Tom's only ally, like he's going around helping search the house, right? And it seems like he's really on the the right side of this. And then even he turns out to be kind of a shithead. Well, and it kind of weirded me out too that he's like, "Well, the gun's in my name." It's like, okay, that's that yeah. sounds not good. And then also when when they find the rehypnol like in the bed, and he was like, "Oh, you can just you can just hand that to me." Yeah, I'll just take that. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and he was like, "Is are you going to get arrested if we get pulled over with that?" And he goes, "No, it's over the counter in England." That that is not an answer. <laughs> you are not in England, sir. Yeah, that is not an answer. <laughs> Heroin is legal in Portugal. 
but that doesn't mean you're fine if you get pulled over with it here. Right. So yeah, Dylan Carlson is, he's also, I'd say the, there's probably four main subjects in this documentary, and they're Tom Grant, Courtney Love, Dylan Carlson, and Rosemary Carroll, well, Kirk Cobain, obviously. Yeah. And Rosemary Carroll, who we'll get to in a second, who's fucking she's she's a delight <laughs> like she's the reason this documentary i think is so compelling yeah because it is a compelling documentary that's the thing that's that's what makes this one of my favorite conspiracy theories is all of the things that have been disputed about kurt cobain's death like there there are uh, on the conspiracy theory side there's people who say well he shot up so much heroin he wouldn't have been able to shoot right. the gun and there was this documentary a few years back by Nick Broomfield where he had a guy who had allegedly taken the same amount of heroin and was standing on one leg like 30 seconds later. And they're like, well, no, see, this is proof that someone could take that much heroin and and still have motor functions. And you watch that documentary and you're like, OK, well, they just refuted that. So that's good. But then in this documentary, they point out that that guy that they used as an example did not inject heroin. No, he took methadone he orally. Took oral methadone, right. which isn't even going to kick into your system for like an hour. Right, like you have to digest that. Yeah, so that's not even sort of an accurate comparison. No. But people, you know, bring that up all the time when people bring up the heroin. They're like, no, that's been discredited. No, it hasn't. No, like, because he definitely didn't take heroin at all. Yeah, it, and it it's... That's that's one of my favorite things about this is this documentary really tackles all of the things people have brought up to refute the idea right, right. that he killed himself or that that he was murdered. Uh, a lot of science. Like we'll we'll talk about the shotgun shells in a minute. I thought that part was super duper interesting. Yeah, there's a forensic pathologist that they interview throughout all of this named Dr. Cyril Wecht, and uh, when he talks about the comparison they made using the methadone he says it's worse than apples and oranges it's like peaches and asparagus i really liked that yeah (laughs) yeah cyril was great there that's the thing there's a whole team of perfectly credible people on this documentary who just all of them are like this is bullshit yeah this was a terrible investigation yep and uh so so uh dylan carlson He's one of the first people we see. There's a lot of audio tapes with him, uh, especially when they're searching Kurt's house, which I thought that part was really creepy. Yeah. Like the act- you hear the actual audio tapes of them yelling Kurt's name out inside the house when they're looking for him, and you hear rain in the background, and it's, ooh. It's very unsettling. Yeah. Like, uh, you're right. I do want to hear those tapes Almost as bad as I want to hear the Grizzly Man tapes. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Grizzly yeah. Man? Yeah. And that, that they play, like, there's that audio tape of him getting attacked by the bear at the end. And he listens to it on headphones and then tells the woman to destroy them. It's like, no. No. Upload them to SoundCloud. <laughs> Let me hear all of it. Then and destroy them. <laughs> I never want to sleep again. <laughs> I'll have a friend animate them, and we'll put it on YouTube. Just please don't destroy it. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I'm Probably sure not. she did yeah, yeah. destroy them. So yeah, Courtney Love uh, definitely does not come off looking good. In this documentary, she looks all bad in this documentary. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you said the actress who played her really drove you insane. She drove me nuts. I didn't like the way she talked. I didn't like the way she moved. I knew she was trying to be like Courtney Love, but like it just made it. It took everything I already don't like about Courtney Love and just like threw it in my face the whole time. Yeah, I wa- I wonder if they were doing that intentionally, probably just to make Courtney Love look even worse, which. Kind of overkill, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, she, she does she a fine job all on her own. She doesn't need help. You no. could have played a montage of her at the MTV Movie Awards, <laughs> and people would have got what kind of a terrible fucking person she was. <laughs> one of the interesting things they bring up in this is that she was one of the first people to start kind of spreading the story that Kurt Cobain was suicidal. Yeah. Which, it's such a big part of his legend and history now but as this documentary points out, it's a thing that no one really started talking about until he died. Yeah. And then, you know, he had that overdose in Rome that happened a few weeks earlier that at the time they show all these news reports. Everyone says it was an accident. Like there's n- nothing mentioned about it being suicide. And then all of a sudden that was a suicide attempt. Right. Like they just like spun it after the fact. Right. And used it to their advantage. Right. Right. They, it it just, at least this documentary makes it seem like they just kind of planted that suicide story to to make the fact that he killed himself seem well, that's why believable. It, that's why it made it so weird in the first call when she um, when she adds it as like an afterthought, like, oh, and I'm worried that he might be suicidal. It was like she was like yeah. planting the seeds and then slowly watering them the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are weird with how she reacts to the investigation. There's also... Uh, all the stuff with the hotels yeah. where they were looking for him in really expensive hotels because she told Tom Grant that he only stays in the nicest hotels. Mm-hmm. And Tom Grant mentions that to Dylan and Dylan's like, what? No, he <laughs> stays in dives. And they finally uh, start calling all these dive motels and find him. Right. And uh, Tom Grant calls Courtney Love and is like, well, do you want me to go over there? And she's like, No. Uh, I don't want him to know we found him. Just put surveillance on the hotel. And he's like, what? Like, why don't we just confront the issue? Yeah, and he was like, well, do you want me to to w- have someone watch the house? And she was like, no. I don't want him to know anything. And then she calls him 10 minutes later. Right. <laughs> calls him at the hotel. And Tom Grant's like, what the fuck? You said you didn't want him to know anything, and now you just called him. Like, everything about how she reacts at every point in this investigation is suspicious as fuck yeah and if it's not suspicious she's just an absurd human being yeah (laughs) like it's it's either well it's kind of both actually like it's super super suspect and she's very strange yeah they they do a good job of planting the idea that she might have had motive yeah because there's the recording where she's talking about Lollapalooza and she says, I turned it down so he could go out and make $9 million, $10 million, and now he's fucking that up. Because th- there were all these rumors around the time that he'd been offered Lollapalooza and didn't want to do it, like he wanted to take a break, and uh, wanted a divorce, and wanted to leave all this money on the table. That's such a classic motive for murder. That's the perfect motive. And whenever you bring this up, there's always a chorus of people who are like, you're sexist. <laughs> like... No, I'm not. I think Courtney Love could have pulled this off. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, people murder it's their spouses. To think that she couldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People murder their spouses over money all the fucking time. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's probably the most common 
cause of murder that isn't gang violence. Yeah, and it's and it definitely goes both ways, so it's not really a sexist statement. Yeah. Men do the same thing. And uh there's there's a recording where she's talking about planting a story saying that she overdosed and uh she says all publicity is good publicity to a certain degree and goes on this rant about how she has an album coming out and how if this story ends in a sad way maybe it'll be good for her record sales. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't Definitely say it. Definitely shouldn't say it. Not when you're being recorded, but I don't think she knew she was being Yeah, I don't think so either. recorded. But uh then she uh she mentions something else about planning the story and Tom Grant goes, "Well, don't you think uh if you do that eventually someone's going to just tell and just like let people know that you lied about that?" And she goes, "The people I had do this, I paid." Which <laughs> Can we at least kind of start thinking maybe she had him murdered? Right. Like, she was not behaving in a manner befitting an innocent person in the days around when Kurt Cobain went missing. No. It was all suspicious as fuck. (laughs) And that's without mentioning Rosemary Carroll. Right. Who is kind of the, the crux of the documentary because she was their entertainment yeah, the lawyer. entertainment lawyer. And shortly before Rome, which is when Kurt Cobain overdosed on Rohypnol and champagne and ended up in a coma, which later they, they said was a suicide attempt. Shortly before that, he told Rosemary Carroll that he wanted a divorce and wanted Courtney Love taken out of the will. Right. And then Kurt Cobain dies uh, about six weeks later. And... <laughs> There are all of these, he's got all of these recorded conversations with Rosemary Carroll where she's just basically like, I think they killed him. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's not secretive about it at all. No. And, like, there was one of the stories Courtney Love had uh, put out in the press was that she had to go to L.A. on business around the time Kurt Cobain. And Rosemary's like, no, she didn't. She was like, yeah, she didn't have business in L.A. <laughs> no I would business. know. Right. And uh, they talk about when Callie, the the nanny, finds the letter. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "It to me, it looks like a pastiche. And I think they wrote that because they knew Kurt was already dead. It's like, damn. Yeah, she just, she went for it. Yeah. She went for it. <laughs> but the thing is, she didn't know she was being recorded. Right. And she wouldn't, she, once she found that out, she got she really got, sketchy about it. Yeah, she got really upset about that. And then, yeah, didn't she, her law firm send, send like a cease and desist letter to him? Right. Were- and he sent a letter back like, sue me <laughs> if you didn't say any of this stuff. Which. Baller. That's the best way to handle that kind of shit. Like yeah. if someone wants you to not say something that they definitely said, well, sue me over <laughs> it. But yeah, Rosemary Carroll, she's Frances Bean's godmother. She was Kurt and Courtney's entertainment attorney. Uh, I think one of the uh, one of the craziest moments in this documentary is when Rosemary Carroll calls Tom Grant over about the backpack. Yeah, and she break, breaks out that backpack with the little note in it. And it was like handwriting practice. Yeah. It was like a sheet of someone practicing Kurt Cobain's handwriting. And like, why are you doing that? Yeah, and how... That's the most frustrating thing about this documentary is it really points out all the things the Seattle PD just never even 
looked at. Yeah, they didn't even bother. Like they right. didn't bother. Like this is this is the first I had ever heard of this at all, and I've really looked into this case. Yeah, and it's so insane that a a suicide that would involve that much insurance money, that much money going forward wouldn't even be sort of investigated as a murder. Right. Especially when you're finding someone practicing his handwriting. Right, like that's grounds for searching everything. Like right. they should be looking into everything. And they do they did actually have this uh sheet of paper that was found in a backpack that Courtney Love left at Rosemary Carroll's house. And it has this sheet with handwriting samples of Kurt Cobain's and what looks like someone practicing his handwriting, which that's suspicious as fuck. Yeah, yeah. And and she basically says, you know, this note is just a pastiche of things he's written in journals in the past, and then there's just that scribbled part at the end that kind of makes it sound like a suicide note. Right. And they have examiners, you know, look into this note, they have handwriting experts look at it. There was a handwriting expert who was like, yeah, this looks like the these what's on the suicide note could have come from this handwriting practice Yeah, and they even, they even like show it on the screen. I thought that was kind of cool. When they like show, show yeah. the letters lining up to the, the letters on the note. Yeah. Yeah, and it's what's frustrating is they just didn't uh, look into that, which... It's. I mean, it, it kind of seems like you have to. Right. They they did him a great disservice by not at least looking into it. They right. should always. You should always look into it every time. Yeah, and uh, one of the other things that they uh, that oh then after she finds the uh, the handwriting practice sample, they all also play a conversation where Tom Grant and Rosemary Carroll are talking about the suicide note. And he brings up that there's this story in Us Weekly that the suicide note said, it's not fun for me anymore. I can't live this life. And it didn't. Like, it didn't say that. Right. So someone was out just kind of planting stories to make this note sound more like a suicide note. When it really didn't. Right. And Tom Grant eventually tricks her into giving him a copy. Yeah. yeah. Which is one of my favorite parts. Because there was, uh, after Kurt Cobain died... She did this thing where she read his suicide note to people who were like congregated at the house. She read it over like an intercom and she starts by saying, I'm lying on my bed. And what she was saying was that I'm lying on my bed getting ready to read this note that Kurt wrote. So Tom Grant goes, one thing that confused me, uh, how was he lying on the bed if he also was writing the note? And she goes, no, Tom, I was lying on the bed here. Let me show you. And he goes, thanks, can I keep this? And she's like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think he's right that we would not know what was in that suicide note without that. Right. Like, if he didn't trick her into giving that over, we would have no idea. No, if, I mean, if he hadn't been there at all, then we would only know what she wanted everyone to know. Oh, yeah, for sure. And including the note, yeah. Right. And, and that's the thing, it... Kind of the one of the the points they get to in this documentary. Also, another really compelling figure in this documentary is Norm Stamper. Yeah, who is the former chief of police of the Seattle PD. Uh, he was chief of police at the time the Cobain investigation happened. And in this section, one of the really 
frustrating things that comes out is that at the time, if the patrol officer who discovered a body thought it was suicide, homicide detectives weren't even sent out. Yeah. So they like they announced this was a suicide the day his body was found. They didn't wait for toxicology results. They didn't wait for shit. They just went public and said, this is a suicide. And I think that is like the the thing that angers me the most, like even more than Courtney Love is the Seattle Police Department. Right. And how they handled this. Because like, how can they just let, let the one patrol guy just make that call and then that's it? Right. You don't, as far as I know, let patrol officers, like when, any movie, when the detectives show up, they just shoo the bullshit patrol officer <laughs> away and they're like, go fucking get us a sandwich or something, bitch. <laughs> but in this case, they're just like, well, old Johnny Footcakes says Kurt Cobain killed himself, so I guess we can sit this one out, boys. Yeah. And now here the police, uh, the chief of police at the time all these years later is on this documentary like, we should maybe reopen that case. Right. We did a terrible job investigating that. And he's he's right, obviously. But are they listening to him? Yeah, this is one of those things that I think at some point it gets to be a matter of embarrassment. Yeah. And people just don't want to admit they were wrong. Well, they should be embarrassed. They, they should absolutely be embarrassed. One of the... One of the more compelling pieces of evidence that they bring up in this documentary for me is the shotgun shells. Yeah. Because the way the the gun is pointed when they find Kurt Cobain, uh, he has one hand locked around the barrel, like in a rigor mortis kind of thing. And uh, where the shells would have been discharged, they would have gone to his right. Right. Uh, but the shotgun shell was found on his left. Right. And what the police examination or what the, the medical examiner said, uh, their theory was that when he fired the gun, it spun in his hand and then the shotgun shell expelled the other way. Right. Which, for one thing, it would have to spin super fucking fast for that to happen. Yeah. But also, it wouldn't have because his hand was locked around it. Right, and they show that like a human wrist cannot do that. Right. It it would have basically broken his wrist to bend that way. Right. And it wouldn't have been force like some kind of force of the gun. He would have just kind of had to have been willfully bending his wrist. Right. <laughs> to get the shotgun shells on the wrong side. So the... The only way those shells would have ended up where they were is if he was either holding the gun a different way, like if someone was pointing the gun at him. Right. Or my theory, which they don't bring up, if someone was holding the gun positioned as if it was in his mouth and the shell bounced off that person's arm and oh. bounced to his left, right? There it is. Okay. See? Oh. But it's... That's, I think, the most compelling part of the documentary in terms of things the police missed and yeah. things that just don't add up in terms of this being a suicide is there's no forensic science that makes sense that explains why that shotgun shell would be where it is. Right. And there's never, you know, this is just, I feel like a case where there's just more evidence pointing to murder. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like 
something that points Espe- to suicide. Because for me, the 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 practice sheet is is what really gets me. Like, yeah, I'm like, there, there's no what? other reason for that practice sheet. Right. The only other reason it would be there is if she was hoping to forge documents yeah. because they were getting divorced. Which even then, that tells you what kind of what kind of person state she of is? mind she's yeah. in. <laughs> like she's willing to go to extreme lengths, right. to save this money, yeah. basically. Yeah. But I'm a sexist for thinking she maybe no, you're murdered fine. him. And the yeah, they talk a lot about the suicide note. Which if you've if anyone listening to this has never looked at the suicide note. Just go read it sometime. Have you ever read it? Uh, I I think it was in like the last page in the Kurt Cobain journal thing that I used to have. That was just like a oh yeah the one that's like a compilation of just like random notes he wrote on like yeah. napkins and stuff. Huge invasion of privacy, but yeah. I bought it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I definitely still have it, but yeah. it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, but yeah, if you read the suicide note, the entire first, the entire body of that note is about him retiring from music, right? It's not in any way like it would be really hard to take that as a suicide note without those four lines at the end that look like completely different handwriting. And a completely different like person with a different state of mind wrote it too. Like it was completely it was like a complete aside. Right. And just another thing that they just did not pay that much attention right. to. Right. It's just kind of uh gone into history that that's his uh, his suicide note. They they dispel a lot of myths about Kurt Cobain in this documentary. One that I thought was interesting that I heard a ton after he died was that he had three uncles who committed suicide. Right. Like that was such a that's a really common myth about Kurt Cobain. And you find out in this documentary he had one uncle who committed suicide. He had another who died when his gun accidentally discharged in a bar. And another who fell down a flight of stairs. Those are not suicides. Sorry. <laughs> Imagine being that good at suicide that you could just throw your gun at the ground. And it still works. Well, it's a, it's a talent you can only use once. Um... I'm going to put my gun on the table and just think about it until it goes off. And it's going to shoot me in the head. So they they dispel that rumor. Uh the Kurt was suicidal. They talk about that a lot because he did have this crazy stomach condition yeah. for a lot of years that he did say in magazines a couple times made him feel suicidal. But there's also interviews where uh, he talks about had how that had been cured. Yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah, no, everything's fine now. Yeah, he's like, everything's great. I feel great. Yeah. And this was like a month before he died or something. Right. It's like not f- long before he died at all. Right. And... Uh, so they they bring that up. That's really interesting. Kurt was barricaded in the greenhouse when he died. They they uh, dispel that rumor. They show pictures. For one thing, the door was just a little twist lock yeah. that anybody and it was a glass door, so you can't barricade yourself inside a fucking right. glass door. Right, just break the glass. You can get in. And then they they implied that there was a stool wedged up against the handle, right. like you see in movies. No, there was just a stool sitting in front of the door, probably where the person who killed him was sitting when oh, they God. watched him die, and they used that as more evidence that he killed himself. And then they they talk about the Rome suicide attempt, which his doctor in Rome eventually went on record and was like, no, that was not a suicide attempt. He did not swallow 60 pills. Those are all lies. Right. 
which so if the doctor's saying that then why are we still talking about it because we believe courtney love more which i don't why she's a terrible person she really she really does she really gets under my skin yeah yeah she's uh she's she's a piece of work yeah oh yeah i love the uh when uh cyril wecht the forensic pathologist was talking about the police not investigating this he said this should not have been ruled a suicide publicly on the same day the story broke. Even Philip Seymour Hoffman's death wasn't determined to be accidental or suicide until a full investigation was done, and he was found with a needle in his arm. Yep. Which, great point. Very good point. Like, if more work went into figuring out how Philip Seymour Hoffman died right. than Kurt Cobain, that's, it's a fucking travesty. And yep. that's what makes me, that's that's what's so disappointing about this like, yes, I'm a Nirvana fan, so I, I take it a little more to heart, but also it's just a huge miscarriage of justice. Yeah, like it's, he, he was owed that. I mean, even yeah. if he did kill himself, they still should have looked harder. Yeah, absolutely. So would you, uh, would you recommend this documentary? Did it do anything to change your mind about the, the Kurt Cobain? It solidified case? what I already thought. So, yeah. Yeah, it just kind of, kind of lit the fire. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's, I mean, if you already think Kurt Cobain was murdered, this documentary, for one thing, if you've looked into it a lot, this documentary won't have a lot of stuff that you haven't heard before. But I think the shotgun shell stuff is really interesting. And I had never heard a lot of these audio tapes. Yeah, that was the part that was most interesting because those aren't really readily available. So that was good. Right. And it's there's a lot of things you can fake, but you can tell those audio recordings weren't fake, especially when Rosemary Carroll starts threatening to sue over them. And he's like, sue me, motherfucker. (laughs) I don't care. Take my ramen noodle money. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I I would definitely... I, w- I would just hope that people would go into this with an open mind. Yeah. And, you know, just understand that, like, conspiracies are a thing that can go two ways. Like, to me, the conspiracy theory here is that he committed suicide. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there was a very big conspiracy pulled off to make it seem like he committed suicide right. when I think he was just murdered. Yeah. And that's, like... All of the the craziness I'm supposed to like people are like, oh, I'm supposed to believe blah blah blah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, what am I supposed to believe about Courtney Love? Right. Like, I'm supposed to you know, people I don't know. I get really fucking <laughs> I get really excited talking about this goddamn case. It's a, it's a good case. I'm sure it'll come up on the Nirvana podcast. It better. We're doing. Yeah, I was telling Travis that it's going to be like the Titanic of podcasts. Like, it's going to be a great story, but you know where it's headed. <laughs> don't expect don't expect a happy ending on that one. No. I don't know how Travis feels about whether Kurt Cobain was murdered or you not. You should ask him. That should Maybe be the first question you ask him. end with us arguing over that. That'd be awesome. That would be a good final episode. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, everyone should go watch Soaked in Bleach. It's on Netflix yeah, right now, Yeah, it's on right? Netflix. And uh, what are we talking about next Next time? The red pill? Yeah, the red pill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy, is that a fun one. If you've never seen The Red Pill, it's a uh, controversial documentary. Yeah. To say the least. It is, uh, I forget the woman's name who does it, because uh, <laughs> she's abroad and I don't care. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> I forget the woman's name who does it, but she's. Uh, it's basically a feminist filmmaker goes out to cover the men's rights movement. 
and uh, huge twist. She <laughs> she kind of has her mind changed and and starts uh, feeling like maybe they make some decent points. Yay! But there's a lot of interesting backstory to it, and it'll it'll be it'll be loads of fun. Yeah. In the meantime, don't kill Kurt Cobain, everybody. <laughs> Keep them safe. I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, we should get out of here. This was fun. Yeah. This. Uh, if you want to uh, leave this podcast good ratings and reviews on iTunes, you should do that. And uh, <laughs> also uh, subscribe or uh, subscribe on YouTube. Maybe you're watching this on YouTube. We put these up on YouTube with video and everything. What? <laughs> I mean video, like the videos we talk about, you can sit, never mind. It's fine. You get it. And uh, so, yeah, do all those things and uh, just subscribe on Patreon, $5 a month. You get all our podcasts completely ad-free, 10 episodes a week. And I would tell you to come to our backyard show, but it's sold out. Woo! Right? How awesome is that? And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Jess, do you have anything to plug? Um... My restaurant is staying open till two in the morning um, this Saturday, so come visit at Okie Pokey. Why are they doing that? I don't know. He wants to try to get like the the bar scene to come in, which I don't know who wants. So to... he's gonna close right when the bar closes. Shouldn't he, he make it like two thirty? I I guess he should, but don't don't give him that idea. Also, didn't they just change bar time in LA to four? Is it? I don't know if it's started yet. But I don't I know. Think... I don't go out and do things, so I don't. Yeah, I don't really know. Four a.m. bar time's a terrible idea. Yeah, that's what it was in Illinois, and it's no good. No, it that's is not bad for everyone. Not a positive thing at all. But uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so come make it. Not go to a Jess's experience. restaurant at one forty-five a.m. on Saturday. <laughs> you and a group of twenty-five to thirty people. <laughs> it's the best time to show up at a restaurant right when they're closing. All right. Anything else? No, that's it. All right. Uh, this was fun. Jess, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.